Hello everyone and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting across Europe in Estonia is the unbelievably astounding Tommy Danqua. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Very well. It's um, extremely cold out here recently. The winter's kicked in. We've had minus 27. So yeah, it's what? been... Yeah, like it's been cold, cold like when you go outside, your nostrils freeze, you know, the moisture in your nostrils just freezes. It's bizarre, you know, and you breathe in and it hurts your lungs. It's absolutely insane, but it's amazing. Loads of snow, kids are over the moon. My car won't start every morning. I'm out there for about 15 minutes trying to get it to start. But other than that, mate, I'm hunky-dory. I'm hunky-dory. Well, that's the price you pay for moving to a country that that, that has subarctic conditions in the winter I know. Isn't it? the baltics man the baltics i said to um i was with my wife's brother he came to visit and i was like why the f- did i marry someone from estonia why did i marry someone from like spain or brazil yeah Portugal, do you know what i mean somewhere nice and warm yeah bloody estonia what an idiot <laughs> well do you know what as the years go on and i think maybe it's because my tolerance for really hot weather has for some reason dwindled a bit but I'm sort of glad that I live where I live. It's like the happy medium. Like, you know, like the yeah. dream is always, oh, let's move to a hot country. But um, without getting too um, eco-friendly uh, or whatever, you know, like as as the years go on and everywhere gets hotter and hotter, the idea of living in somewhere like Brazil or or, or the Caribbean or something, that, that, that appeals to me less and less. Really? I'd be there instantly <laughs> with or without my family. <laughs> So, so we're on a bit of a roll. It's nice to actually start a podcast and say, oh, we haven't spoken for ages. Um, <laughs> and no, we're going to get sick of each other's voice, aren't we? Yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. nice to do a couple. Of, uh, as we speak, listeners, this is, um, we're in sort of early December. Um, Christmas is a coming. Um, and the goose isn't getting fat because both me and Tommy are both vegans. I know. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but how how are you feeling about Christmas this year? I mean, Christmas, I mean, hopefully we'll do a Christmas podcast of some sort. Um, yes. I mean, but, we've um, done one every year, haven't we? We've done one every year, so it'd be rude not to. Yes, yeah, yeah. So how, how are you feeling about it this year? I know it's, it's for a lot of people, a lot of listeners, Christmas isn't a great time of the year. For, you know, there's, there's bad memories that are brought up and so-and-so, and, and uh, maybe this year due to lockdown and pandemic restrictions you might be a little bit limited but um yeah you always have quite a good christmas don't you a good family thing yeah it's been really nice and obviously we're this was the last year was the first christmas that i wasn't in the uk no actually that's a lie it was the first christmas living here and you know not seeing or not being able to see my family and it, it was actually it was nice not nice i didn't see them but i didn't feel you know any sort of huge loss or anything like that so and i think this year as well everything seems to be quite chilled out this year there's i don't know if it's the difference of living here and not being in london and you know i mean the countryside so there's not so much marketing and advertising and everything thrown in your face so it just feels quite serene i don't have that stress or anything like that yeah and um you know, my only sort of main concern is what am I going to cook for Christmas dinner? Because I've done like a mushroom Wellington the last two years. What? <laughs> so, a mushroom Wellington, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I need to think of something, you know, something else to do to keep the family interested. 
So I'm going to go and hail Satan and do a Satan dish. So yeah, that's that's my biggest sort of uh, stressor at the moment. Christmas dinner. What am I going to make? Other than that, oh. quite, yeah, chilled out and relaxed. Lovely. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Well, well, my Christmas this year. Um... <laughs> Ooh. Yes. What? Yeah. Well. Well. well Tell us well, about it. As we speak, I mean, the listeners, um, when they're listening to this, uh, I'll be probably sat at my parents' house uh, with a hole in my stomach um, because tomorrow I'm having my my hernia operation, So, um, which is something <laughs> lovely to look forward to. And it probably means, well, I mean, I looked at the guidelines. Um, you can't, um, uh, yeah, you, you, you have to... Well, one of the guidelines says avoid constipation, uh, which uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, another one says, uh, yeah, I can't, I basically, I can't really sort of uh, walk too far or uh, I can't run. I won't be able to, to, to do much. Uh, I, w- one of the guidelines is that I can't have sex, which to be honest, uh, that's not a problem for me anyway. It's been a barren, <laughs> it's been quite a barren year. Um, so, COVID. um, COVID's allowed. You're allowed. Uh, yeah. And then, um, I'm, I'm sort of sat. Yeah. And then I can't lift anything for six weeks. So, so, um, yeah, that's my, that's going to be my Christmas. Um, I want of... a hernia operation. That sounds wicked. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You can't lift anything. You can't walk too far. You can't have sex. Well, that's, you know. okay. I mean, like what? <laughs> two out of three ain't bad is it <laughs> yeah that's true that's true yeah yeah but there's also the there's also the pain um to look forward to but anyway look, listen it sounds like i'm trying to get sympathy from the listeners and um, i am <laughs> oh, oh i thought you're gonna sing then i thought you're gonna get anyway. I, was, I was gonna give you one of these <laughs> oh you haven't you haven't brought out the sound effects box for a long time I know. I mean, we haven't spoken for a long time. But... Yeah, yeah. Doesn't sound great though. The volume. It just, to, to be honest, it just sounds like uh, someone's um, uh, got a, like a rusty bike uh, d- driving by or something. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> right. So, so, so this week is not um, you, you lucky listeners. You won't be listening to just me and Tommy uh, talking crap to each other for an hour. Or just myself, like last podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, we do have a guest, woohoo! Which is brilliant. So yeah, so I have been wanting to do a podcast on how men cope with grief for a long time, because uh, frankly, we're not great at coping with it. We're not great at talking about it, especially amongst ourselves. Um, and suddenly out of the blue, I got um, I got a, a an email from this week's guest. Now, our guest is Paul Slapper. He's one of the founders of the Unbeatable Eva Foundation, which is a, a foundation. Well, he'll tell us all about it, but it's to raise um, awareness for a very rare form of cancer. Almost uh, a year ago now, very sadly, his daughter, um, his 10 year old daughter died of this disease. Uh, which is a very, like I say, a very rare form of cancer. And um, he has, as well as doing the foundation, he has found talking about it with men um, has been quite difficult. Let's get him on. Uh, Welcome, Paul. Morning, guys. Morning. Thanks for having me on. 
that's all right. Well, thanks so much for 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 coming on, and and you know it's a, obviously a quite a difficult thing to talk about, but I know um, you wanted to, and um, we are very glad that you're here. Yeah, it's um, yeah very difficult to talk about. I think um, as much for me as well as for other people. I think actually that's that's one of the things that we can we can talk about. But certainly other people talking to you about grief. Um, and specifically in our case, obviously the loss of our daughter, you know, some people are, are very good, but the vast majority of people just have no idea what to say. And, and, yeah. you know, that makes it difficult then to sort of know when it's appropriate to open up and, and to how to respond to people. It's almost that thing of someone saying, how are you? And, and then you respond with anything other than, yeah, I'm okay. You know, they, they don't really want to hear that. They just want to yeah. kind of get that response of, yeah, yeah, fine. You know, how are you? And, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a strange one. So, so let's go back. So, so firstly, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about Eva and and how she was. Yeah, I mean, Eva was typical. You know, she was she was nine when she was diagnosed. She was a typical nine year old girl. She um, was um, sort of into arts and crafts. Um, she was into you know spending time with her friends sort of typical girls girl we've got two young boys as well and and um very mothering very much you know wanting to help her mum look after the boys and um just just an all-round just I know everyone says it's their child just a lovely little girl um she just wasn't a problem at all she was great in school did well in school she was you know never getting into trouble um you know, not you don't want to say the perfect child, but she, you know, she was she was just a good little girl and a typical nine year old girl, and um, you know, just not not a problem for us at all. Um, and um, it, we sort of all started really for us. We um, we were we went away on holiday um, September two thousand and nineteen, and she was just not sleeping right sort of tossing and turning, speaking out, thrashing out, uncharacteristic really, especially at night. And um, and you kind of just put it down to, you know, bad dreams or, or we were away, you know, perhaps she wasn't quite right and wasn't enjoying being away. And, 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 and nothing really came of it until the run up to Christmas that year. And um, she started to complain about double vision. So we, we booked her an appointment at the opticians locally. And, um, you know, you just assume that maybe there's, you know, as is common, she, she needs glasses or her vision's not quite right or whatever. Mm. And um, we took her in and um, she was various different tests. And, and, and essentially they said that her eyes weren't moving or one of her eyes wasn't moving properly to the right hand side. So and, and we, we didn't know, you know, you'd never notice this. It was one of those things that, you know, if, if she needed to look to the right, she'd kind of turn her head and you, and you would think nothing of it. So. It wasn't something that you'd, you'd obviously pick up on until she mentioned about sort of the double vision, blurred vision. So um, she was referred to the hospital, to the um, optometrist there to, to have a, you know, a, a more thorough look. And um, we uh, ended up going in on New Year's Eve to, uh, to the hospital for her to have her appointment. And, and you know, that's really where it all, you know, just spiraled downwards for us. And so how did you, um, when you actually got the, um, the diagnosis, what was, how did you react? I mean, it must've been like your whole world caved in. 
it was just the so the the, the New Year's Eve we as I say we were in the hospital so that was that was at Wrexham Hospital where, where we live and um, she was there there was a whole load of tests and and basically we knew there was something wrong because of the way that it was all sort of the, the tests were ongoing and going and going and um, you know after the test she was sent for a scan the, the guy who'd done the test he was brilliant you know can't you know fault him but he was you know he was choked up so you knew that something wasn't right. Um, she was sent for a CT scan and then we were um, thrown into an ambulance basically and, and sent up to Older Hay Children's Hospital in Liverpool. Um, and we, we, at this point, we were told there was a, a mass in the, in the brain. There was, there was something there. And you kind of naively think, well, you know, well, I suppose you hold on to hope that, you know, it, it's nothing. Um, but you know, we, we weren't that naive, you know, you know, something's not right. And then you naively think that, well, if there is something there that, you know, nowadays there's treatments, there's chemotherapy, there's operations that, you know, you can treat these kinds of things. So, mm. you know, it, it was awful. We, we got to older, Hay the, the new year's Eve, we saw a specialist that, um, kind of said that, you know, it's not good and we weren't going to be able to do an MRI until the following day. So new year's day. So. We spent the evening in, in the hospital. Um, Eva was more bothered about the fact that we were, we were supposed to have some friends around and um, she was obviously not going to see her friends on New Year. And, um, you know, it was just the worst night. It was just the longest night. And then New Year's Day, she had sent down for her MRI and we had the um, the news that it was obviously a, a brain tumour. Um, mm. and, and again, naively you think, okay, well, you know, this is the worst possible situation, but what what do we do? How do we... How do we get that out of her and how does she get better? And then you're kind of told that, well, actually we can't operate on it because of where it is. So it's um, a tumor that sits in the, in the, um, essentially in the center of the brain, right at the top of the brain stem. Um, so it's accessing the area itself is at high risk. And then the way that this particular tumor so is called DIPG, diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. And it basically spells out diffuse uh, intrinsic. It sort of grows and spreads within this region it's not like a solid single tumor it's almost like a series of small tumors and, and, and it intertwines within the nerves um and then pontine is the area the pons of the brain glioma is just sort of the that's that's the name for the tumor cells so you're told that you can't operate so then you think obviously well okay what, what's the other treatment is it chemotherapy what, what is it? and then you get told that no the chemotherapy doesn't doesn't touch it because it's protected by what's called this blood brain barrier um, that is essentially there to protect that region of the brain um, from, you know, things getting in and, and harming it. Um, and then you get told that you there, there's nothing and, and you can go home and you make memories. They're going to blast the, um, the area with radiotherapy, um, which, which may have an effect temporarily. It may um, sort of reduce some of the symptoms, but not in every case. Mm. Um, and, and that's really it. And, you just your whole world just falls apart because you you, you think this will never happen to you mm. you know firstly we'd never heard of dipg so you know that in itself was you know new to us but then you just assume that well you know you know things happen you know you read about them you see them in the news but you think this will never happen to me it'll never happen to my child um and and, and it does and you just clam up you, you don't want this you don't want to talk to anyone you don't want to, you know, you don't know how to talk to, how do you tell someone that? Um, and all the while, as a parent, you've got to try and be 
you've got to try and protect your child from the reality of what's happening. So we're told in the hospital, you know, your child is has got this terminal um, form of cancer. You're told that, you know, she's, she's probably not going to survive until the next new year. It's less than, so the average term of survival is less than 10 months. So you're told all of this and then you've got to hold it together because actually your nine-year-old child needs you to be a parent and, and not, you know, completely break down and lose it in front of them. And it's just, mm. the, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, as you'd expect, it's the worst experience anyone can ever experience. Mm. God, do you know what? I, um, I, do you know, I knew this was going to happen. I feel I'm, I'm shaking. I'm actually trembling. I feel so, um, oh my God, I feel for you because I'm my child, my, my eldest is eight years old. He'll be nine, he'll be nine, uh, next month. And, you know, obviously, as a, as a parent, like you said, you don't expect that to happen to you. You don't expect this to happen to you. It always happens to somebody else, right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, you said you had, you know, had to sort of how to deal with it. How do you cope with it? I mean, what did you say to your daughter? What, what was the sort of conversations that you had? Did she have an understanding of what was going on? Or um, how did you address this? Yeah, I mean, so that's the other, you know, she, she's... So she's nine years old at the time and, you know, she's, she's an intelligent little girl. You know, she's not, she's not stupid. She knows she's in hospital. She understands that, you know, something isn't right. So we, we, we made the decision immediately that she doesn't need to know it's terminal. I, I just don't see how that at any, in any way, shape or form helps a nine-year-old that, to know that, you know, listen, you've got this, this thing that's happening to you and, and, and you know, it, it's terminal, you're going to die from it. Just didn't seem appropriate at all. So we made that decision early on, but we did try and talk to her about the fact that there was something there in, in her brain. So she called it spot. So we went with that because it was like kind of, yeah. that's how she saw it on the image. It was a spot on the, on the, on the scan image. Um, and that we needed to try and do something to, to, um, to, to, to get rid of it. So the rate she knew the radiotherapy that she was having was, was there to, to destroy the, the, the spot. Um, you know, we, she she asked about um sorry she uh, she 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 said to my wife um to her mum you know am i going to die she asked her that oh. um and and i don't know maybe maybe we maybe maybe that opens up a conversation but we we just didn't feel it was right to say yes so you know we we told her that she wasn't we told her that she was going to be okay and that we you know she needed this treatment to help her um and um, we, you know, we avoided certain words, so we didn't we didn't use the word cancer. And I, I'm not sure whether that's the right thing or, or wrong thing to do. And you know, I think cancer nowadays is, you know, it's so it's so talked about. It's on the TV, it's on adverts. You know, yeah. we went to Clatterbridge Cancer Centre for um, for a radiotherapy. So she she saw the word, um, she saw other children in, in all the hay, you know, who, who were going through chemotherapy, you know, and and you know, she saw all of this, but we never felt that the word. I don't know. I think that's our issue. We had this issue with the word cancer, um, and and she never really pushed that. So we let her, I suppose, almost lead us and guide us on, on the things that we would say and the things that you know we wouldn't say. Um, and you know, kids are so resilient. You know, she, she would be the one. We'd be the ones sort of breaking down in tears at the radiotherapy session. You know, seeing her, and, and that, by the way, is horrific. You know, you've got your child is lying on a bed in a room on their own, um, you know, literally secured to the bed by this, 
mask that's been specially created to hold the heads in place. So they bolted to the bed. Um, and and he, because Eva was nine, she was old enough to to do it without any kind of anaesthetic or a sedation, if you like. So, so younger children uh, are given a general anaesthetic. Um, but because she's of a certain age, it was kind of like, no, she'll just be secured to the bed and she's going to sit there. And, you know, it's quick in terms of, you know, it's not a long period of time they're on there, but it's just, it, it looks terrifying. And as parents, you're the ones, as I say, breaking down into tears and she's just going in and, and having conversations with the um, radiographers and, and, and the nurses and just almost breezing through it. And it's, it's mind blowing that this nine year old child's dealing with it, you know, so much better than we were. And, mm. um, you know, I'm not, you know, she, she didn't enjoy it, but obviously, but she, um, she just got on with it. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's so, you know, thinking back, it's so inspiring that some, somebody of that age, you know, a child of that age can show you, you know, that life throws things at you and, you know, you just got to get on with it sometimes. And, and, make the best of it and and you've got to do these things to to hopefully make you better and that's the way she looked at it um but it was yeah it was it was difficult so that that's how we that's how we dealt with it we just let her lead us really um yeah i guess there's there's no right or wrong way is there i think you know every every sort of person is individual but um you you mentioned that you know obviously when you were in the chemo room you broke down in tears but Obviously, I guess you you know your daughter didn't see that, but did you feel like you know as the man you had to put on a brave face and had to put on this mask? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still do. I still feel like that. Um, yeah. You know, my wife's, and, and and that's not you know, it's not because anyone's told me that's the what I've got to do. Um, no one said you can't, you know, you can't get upset, you can't feel emotional, but you do. There's this feeling that. You know, when my wife's there in tears, um, that you know, you you've got to be strong for her. You've got yeah. to be the the person who's there to to hold it together. Because if you don't do it, then then no one's holding it together. That that's how it feels. And you know, even when when Eva was diagnosed, we decided we were going to look at sort of what clinical trials were out there if there was sort of experimental treatments things that you know didn't exist here in the uk so we, we looked abroad and, and you know I, I i took that on i took that responsibility on because i didn't want my wife to because you know you, you google the, the condition you google dipg and and it comes up you know um terminal in every case you know nine months of it's just it's just awful stuff that you read all the time and i didn't want Karen to have to be looking at that all the time so you shoulder that because you think that's the way that as a dad and as a as a man I should be um and it's and it's tough because you don't I think people see that then and and almost feel that well you know that person's coping okay so we don't need to talk to them about it and you know it's it's almost a you know self-fulfilling cycle of, of events because because you don't get upset no one talks to you about how you're feeling and and so you just have to cope with it in some way and you can't talk to your partner about it that i mean that's the other crazy thing because they're dealing with all of those emotions so how do you how do you te- how do you get them to support you it, it's just um you know you, you can't help but feel like it's you've just got to i suppose like, like the podcast you've just got to man up and deal with it and it's it's a ridiculous 
way to feel, but it is just seems to be the way that, that, you know, that men deal with these things. And, and so how about other people then? So Mm. you're dealing with it in your own way and you're trying to keep it together. What about other sort of friends and family outside of your wife? Um, How, how were the interactions with you and, and were, were, were there any sort of really sort of awkward moments, anything that you would sort of, that, that was quite frustrating about that or were most people quite good on the whole? Um, I think, I mean, we, we were so well supported locally. So friends, family, we, we went through a phase of fundraising to try and get treatment overseas and the response of people not just locally, but all over the place, strangers and, uh, you know, friends and strangers was fantastic. So, you know, I think that was, that was a fantastic response, but I don't think there was ever a, you know, I, I don't recall ever sitting down and, or, 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 you know, having conversations with people about, you know, how, how actually are you, how are you getting on? How do you feel? Um, I think people don't know how to have that conversation. Mm. um it, it's you know I, I think i said earlier you know it's almost that how are you and, and they just want to hear yeah i'm okay how are you that that's it's almost a you know a a token gesture of asking but really they don't want mm. to hear do you know what i'm really crap you know i'm, I'm really not doing well because they yeah. don't know how to respond to that mm. and um and that's the case still now that's you know people sort of i think see us now and you know obviously we've set up foundation and and you know it's it's coming up to 12 months since eva passed away and i think there's there's probably an you know almost a a feeling from some people that um you you kind of you're over it and it's so far from the the truth um you know and and i might i might be wrong maybe that just people don't want to talk talk to us about it um or don't want to talk to you know to, to me about it you know that i think the thing that bothered me the most and it still bothers me now, and, I, and I'm, you know, it's not a criticism of any individual, but I think there is definitely a, a way that men are treated. You know, I, I, I do the school run, I drop our boys off in school, and, and um, you know, I kind of get, you know, how are you? And, and then there's the, you know, yeah, you know, I'm okay. And, and then you get this sort of tilt of the head and this sadness in the voice of, how, how's Karen? As if, yeah. you know, she, she's, you know, as if the grief should be different. Yeah. Um. And and that does bother me. But you yeah. you let it go because uh, the the person means well. They don't mean to upset or offend you. Yeah. But there is definitely a different view as to how you, as a man, as a dad, in this situation, are or should be dealing with it. You know, other than probably a, a very small handful of people who have taken the time to really talk to me. Um. The general response is very much you know how's karen how's she getting on and i don't resent that from from karen's perspective because she was eva's mum. she's you know she's experienced that horrific loss as well i just think it's a very obvious difference in the way that people ask you or or talk to you do you you think um people are uh, as well as not really wanting wanting to hear too much about it because it's such an ups upsetting subject in in general do you think um people are just sort of um yeah uh, do you think do you think they're thinking that you're 
you don't want to talk about it if you know what i mean it's like maybe that they're worried yeah. that, that that you're they're bringing up some upsetting memories and 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 so they don't really want to bring it up with you 100% yeah i mean i think it's if you're going to ask how somebody is and mean it the reality is you've got to then be prepared to have that conversation yeah so i, I think there is just an a, you know an uncomfortableness of wanting to engage in that conversation both for the reasons that one they don't want to upset you but actually not talking about it's worse because mm. Eva's still my daughter you know that hasn't changed um okay you know she, she she's not here with us but it doesn't mean that she wasn't you know with us for 10 10 years and the 10 and a half years so the, the idea that you know we wouldn't want to talk about it is is just ridiculous you know we're talking yes. about my other children why would I not want to talk about her but yeah. that does mean that sometimes yeah, I'm going to get upset mm. and, and I think that's the thing that people don't feel that they can cope with um and you know the other thing is I mean Karen, the the difference in how men and women deal with it is 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 very obvious so Karen will go around to to friends houses um or she'll go out walking with friends you know she'll get those invites um and you know it gives her the opportunity to talk about it sure you know she doesn't talk about it all the time you know every time i'm sure she goes but you know she certainly gets the opportunity to talk she gets those invites and and you know i i don't and that you know i'm not criticizing friends but i just think there's that they they just don't have the i don't know maybe the emotional range to 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 engage in that type of discussion um and, and what it you know what comes with it which is the, the tears and the um you know the the sadness um so you know it's you you can, you end up having to try and just deal with it on your own which is is not good it's not good for anyone what what um so so in in terms of the sort of male support did what support did you get from your male friends how 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 did they sort of um you know talk to you um <laughs> well they, they don't that's the reality of it um i've probably got one or two friends who 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 are you know open to having that conversation um and and are i think people feel like they can't relate if i'm honest i think i think and i think that's a very much a man thing I, I don't i think a man feels like or men seem to feel like they have to be able to relate to a situation in order to be able to have a conversation about it yeah. you know we don't talk well about our emotions we don't talk about our feelings we don't talk about you know those sort of softer things that perhaps be, you know are more natural for, for women to talk about so or a more not natural more more normal for women to talk about um and because they can't relate they just don't have the conversation you know there's as i say there's probably a you know one or two maybe a handful of friends who you know genuinely do ask um or certainly have asked um but it, it's infrequent um and um i think it just comes down to not not feeling comfortable that um you know that what with what the conversation how the conversation will go the unknown of is this person going to be upset is this person going to you know um 
you know need need some you know physical support do they want me to hug them you know it, it just it's just so unnatural um or it feels so unnatural i think and, and and therefore it's just avoided you know i had lots of text messages you know when we lost eva um but you know they again they're, they're sent almost because it's the right thing to do you, you you acknowledge it and then it's almost like you know i've acknowledged it now i'm going to move on um and i think there's probably an expectation from people that if rather than them broaching the subject and having the conversation if i want to talk to them i'd i'd raise it with them so mm. you know i'd have to go out of my you know out of my way to sort of say you know hey mate do you fancy you know going out for a walk because i just feel like i want to vent to somebody or whatever it might mm. be um so yeah it's um you know it just it just doesn't happen um and there is something special about talking to a um another man as well um about something because because it well firstly because it is so rare um to talk about Hmm. you know emotions and that thing with with other men but there is an understanding about you know uh we we don't get a lot of sympathy you know know, we we do rule the world you know white rich men rule the world and there's a patriarchy and stuff but when it comes to the matters of of the heart i think we do often come second fiddle and we and we are discriminated against you know and and i think um uh talking to another man about that sort of thing um they'll understand they'll understand your viewpoint Hmm. no definitely i I think um as i say that that there's been a couple of occasions you know one sticks out i I went out um walking with a friend who who unfortunately um suffered his own bereavement not a child but um a family member um a sibling um you know and and you know we were able to have a really open conversation uh, you know and and you know i'm not trying to pretend that i know how he was feeling in terms of you know that specific scenario and he wasn't trying to pretend that he knew what it was like to lose a child but we could have a really open emotional conversation um you know about how we were feeling and it, and it was and that like I say that stands out because it's probably one of maybe two maybe three times where i've been able to do that um you know we're talking you know over the last 12 months so um that really does tell you that you know that it doesn't it just doesn't happen um and it you know it was it, it, you know i felt better for doing it because it gives you an opportunity to to just release all of this emotion that is, is there is still there that builds up um to somebody who you know it, it genuinely wants to listen and genuinely you know wants to 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 try and help in some way um so yeah that you know that unfortunately that's that's few and far between that that's just that's that that's the reality um and even you know other things that we you know the support after eva passed away you know, I, I don't think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was offered it once. I don't, I don't, I don't recall being offered sort of counseling services. Um, you know, I know that that's conversations that Karen's had on, on lots of occasions. So, you know, I, I probably was offered it at one time, maybe early on. And I may have said no at the time, but no, there's never been a follow-up on that. You know, even that kind of thing, it, it's just mm-hmm. almost like, I don't know, you're just kind of left to, as I say, get on with it in your own way. Um, yeah. And you're not encouraged to, 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 
to speak up and to to have, have conversations. And listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I want counselling services. So, um, but but you know, having the offer, um, you know, that I think that that's that's important because I don't think that even comes from you know the the, the specialists and the experts who are there to try and you know supposedly guide us through these things. Yeah. So, was your wife offered any support at all? Yeah, yeah, she's um, yeah, she she's had um, she's had support. She she's got the offer of support. Um, you know, I, even you know, she, she her um, her doctor, you know, has been brilliant. Really, really um, engaged with her, and 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 sort of the offers to help have been there. Um, even from that, you know, at that level. Um, and, you know, I certainly haven't had that kind of experience. Um, and, and who knows, you know, had it, had I been offered that, I may not have taken it, you know, it's, it's not a, a guarantee that I, I, you know, would have taken that, but it's, it's knowing that that support is there if you need it. Um, yeah. Have you ever had counselling or, or any sort of ther- ther- therapeutic support yourself no. at all? No. I, I would I would recommend it two hundred percent because well first of all first of all they are going to listen to you they're paid to listen to you so you're going to have someone listening to you for an hour um, and um, I, I would even anyone that's not been through as much as you've been through I would recommend anyone um, if they've got the chance you know do it but anyway so do you know what I was going to say like I, before we go into this because I want to know you know. I'd like you to tell us about any other support there is that you know of uh, bereaved parents or specifically men. But before I want I do that, I just want to say it's um it is so evident talking to you and through the conversations we've had in the past that the support out there or our lack as men, our lack of ability to have these awkward or difficult conversations, it's so apparent. And the fact that you've not been offered support or there hasn't been, you know, there's not been any they've not been really forthcoming with it. It's huge. So this is a men's mental health podcast. How, obviously I'm, I'm guessing depression was going to creep in, but how has it affected your mental health over this, you know, over this whole time period, not just, you know, the last year, but you know, all while you're going through it or how was your mental health? You just constantly low. Um, you know, you, 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 you just feel, empty um and you have these really really you know awful feelings and moments where you know as i say we've got two boys as well and and um you know i remember sitting genuinely sitting at the side of the road and thinking you know i could just walk out in front of the lorry <laughs> you know yeah. and 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 you know, and then you kind of, you know, you shake yourself and go, you know, what the, what the hell are you doing? You know, you need, you've got two boys that need, need the dad and, and, you know, I'm sure my wife, you know, had the same sorts of feelings. So you, you, you obviously, you know, you don't go, but you know, that, that's where your head's at. There's days where you just think, you know, what, something like that can happen from, from nothing out of the blue. Um, you know what what's the point you know and and it's uh it's awful it's it's really awful and th- and then you try and find ways to sort of especially you know when 
I think when he, after Eva was diagnosed, you know, spending time researching and, you know, that was difficult. And then seeing physical changes to her, because one of the things that the IPG does is, is it, it, it just physically affects the child in so many ways. Um, facial palsy, sort of paralysis, difficulty swallowing, breathing, speaking. They remain completely cognitively aware of everything. They, they're still that same person in their head, but physically they're, they're incapable of doing all the things that, you know, that they've, they've done in the past. Um, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. And seeing that change happen um, and knowing that there's nothing you can do about it, it just, it just makes you feel so low and so it, it makes you feel like you're failing as a, you know, you know, speaking from my experience, failing as a dad, you know, my job is to protect my kids. Yep. My job is to, you know, make sure that they're always, you know, looked after and, and, you know, they're never in danger and all of these things. And then you seeing this unfold before your eyes and there's nothing you can do about it. And you do feel like you're failing. Um, you know, I, I certainly, I certainly felt, felt like that. Um, and, and that's, that's really tough to, to deal with because it just sends you further down, um, you know, that, that, you know, low and miserable, um, you know, mindset that you, that you end up with. Um, and it's constant because then, then you, you feel, you know, something good happens and you, you smile and you like, you feel guilty, you feel guilty about it. And, um, mm. you know, you dread like now it's, we're in the run up to Christmas and, you know, I'm dreading it, absolutely mm. dreading it because, you know, it was, we lost Eva on the 8th of January. So last Christmas, I remember, you know, you've got all those memories of, of how she was then. And, you know, we had people together, we had family together and, um, you know, she, she was suffering physically so much. Um, and it was so difficult, you know, for her to do things and, you know, you're coming up into the run and you can't help but think about that. So that just makes you miserable. And then you think like, I can't, how am I going to enjoy Christmas? How am I going to enjoy, you know, birthdays? How am I going to enjoy these things that, you know, I should be able to enjoy? And how am I going to show my boys that they can still have a good Christmas, even though the sister's not here? How do you keep a brave face for them? So you just can't, it's just this constant, almost internal battle and 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 you, you're battling with your own negative thoughts all the time. Um yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not pleasant. And then you try and find ways to, you know, how, how do you how do you get those thoughts out of your head? You know, do you because uh, it's worse when you're on your own. If it's at night, if it's you know, you've just got quiet time, peace. You can think about things. You overthink things. So it's you know, I can see how people become you know hooked on drugs and med you know medication and you know pills or whatever to get rid of it. I can see how that would be so easy yeah. because once you find, if you find something that, you know, gets rid of those thoughts, it, you know, I can see why you would do it. You know, I've fortunately, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in that position, but yeah, I can see why people do it. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's it, I, I guess, and, and unless you deal with those thoughts and as you, you're touching on about having counseling and things like, you know, unless you do deal with them, unless you do vent in some way and get those thoughts out of your head, they're just going to, continue to build and bubble away and, and eventually something gives so how so how have you been coping what's 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 working for you um 
I mean, you're not having counselling, but are you sort of trying? How are you managing to keep it together? I think so. We set the um, the foundation up, the Unbeatable Eva Foundation, up in February, um, and the idea is that you know we support children and families who are going through the same things that we are, so or, or that we have done. Um, in, in two ways, one is is funding research into the condition itself, so that at some point in the future, hopefully that that doesn't mean you know go home, make memories. You're going, to, you're going to lose your child by default at some point that will be a case of you know there is a treatment option and then the other side is we do um it's a pact we, we we ask about the child the child who's been diagnosed and then we fill gift boxes full of individually wrapped presents and gifts and things and and they go out in the hope that you know it helps to that those families to build memories and make memories for the children and and you know that's somewhat um <sighs> I suppose it helps with the grief, grieving process. Um, it, it's difficult as well because you end up talking to families who've gone through the same thing, but you're actually talking to somebody who can relate to, you know, the situation that you, you've been in. Mm. Um, so that, you know, that, that certainly helps. I think, you know, other than that, um, it's just trying to focus your, yourself on or focus myself on, um, distractions all the time you know what try, trying to make sure that i'm not um sitting there and and, and overthinking things so I, you know quite often i find myself in an evening um grabbing the laptop and trying to do things charity related because i know that if i'm doing that i'm not just sat there thinking about negative things um mm-hmm. and, and and you know that it's easier to do that sometimes and it, it's difficult other times um and um you know i I think it's uh you know sometimes it's picking up a beer and drinking you know that's the sad reality and um you know just thinking you know if i if i if i grab a beer and you know get rid of those thoughts that way that'll help um and Mm -hmm. i say you know you know it's, it's so difficult um yeah, it's, there, there is, there's, no, there's no single answer. I guess people deal with it in different ways. For me, it's just trying to keep occupied all the time. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, um, I, I think, you know, from an outsider's point of view, I could totally understand, you know, not wanting to have to deal with the constant emotions, you know. I've, you know I've, I've used in my time when I was trying not to deal with some of my demons. It's... um. Sorry, I'm getting welled up. You've <laughs> this is really um ah, oh, sorry. How, how are you dealing with the boys? You said you mentioned you've got two sons. Obviously, we we are in a society where we kind of we tend to choke emotion out of men. Hence, why we yeah. have this culture of not being able to talk about it, not have these open conversations. What what sort of steps are you taking, or how are you dealing with it with your boys? How are you talking to them? How are you? allow them to express their emotions we just before i touch on it it's just it, it made me smile then when you, you say you're getting welled up and then you apologize that's something we do isn't it we apologize so for feeling yeah absolutely <laughs> um, yeah but um but so the boys so our youngest is five finn's five and he's probably not emotionally mature enough to really fully understand you know the the 
the situation and, and fully understand his emotions and how he, you know, how he feels about everything. But he talks a lot about Eva. You know, he, he's he's very similar to her um, personality-wise, his interests, his um, just everything. He, he's sort of he's he's very very much like his sister. So, um, you know, he he he's quite open. He talks and 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 we just talk to him. You know, we encourage him to talk about Eva as much as possible. We include her in conversation. And I think at some point in the future, that's something that you know quite possibly he may need additional support. But at this point, he just doesn't. He doesn't seem to be dealing with it in a way that would, you know, would require that. Um, yeah. Our elder boy, so Ethan's seven, um, and he's a very sensitive little boy. Anyway, um, super caring um, and loving, but very, very sensitive, very in touch with his emotions, and he's really struggled. Um, so he he's the opposite. He doesn't talk about either at all um or very rarely he um he actually said to karen and i that um he didn't want to upset us <laughs> so right. you know that's that's really tough because you, as much as you tell him it's okay to if you know it's okay if we're upset it's okay if you're upset he's obviously got that in his mind that he doesn't want to upset us and therefore he's not going to talk to us and he, he, he doesn't open up um they when eva was diagnosed she had some um, support from this amazing um, charity called the Joshua Tree, um, who were based in in the northwest, and um, they they came they come out and they do sort of craft work with her, talk to her, and and just allow her the opportunity to to talk about how she was feeling really. Um, and they're now going into Ethan's school um, on a weekly basis, spending time with him and encouraging him to talk oh, as he's doing amazing. things, and that's it, that's going to help him a lot. Um, mm. And we had a um, you know, a situation recently, even, you know, he's, he is opening up in school. Um, we talked to his teacher and, and she said that, you know, he co he'll come to it and sort of say he's feeling sad or whatever it might be, or he's feeling upset about either. Um, so we've, we've organized with the school to ensure that the teacher is also, and, and teachers in the school have that um, training, I guess, or they have the support to know how to deal with that situation. Because he's found a, he's found an outlet where he's comfortable talking, and we need to know that you know if he's saying I feel sad, he's getting the support and the response that encourages him to talk about how he's feeling, um, and that's that's happening in, in school now. So, you know that's helpful, um, and 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 you know who knows in the future that might be something that Finn will also benefit from in the future. But at the moment, he, as I say, he, he seems to be much more able to to talk about either at home. Um, and, and, you know, he's, the, the other day, um, Karen said to him about doing breakfast with Santa, um, which is something we've done every year. We, we always used to do it. And um, we said, oh, we might not do it this year because, you know, we might find that it's a bit difficult without Eva there because um, we did, you know, you know, we did it last year. And, you know, again, all those memories of, of how she was at the time. Um, and he, he turned around and he said, um, you know, we should do it because Eva would want us to do it. I think he's five years old. <laughs> he's, mm. he's uh, you know, he, he just incredible, really. So, um, so yeah, they they get their support in different ways, um, and and all we can do really is encourage them to to talk as much as possible and know that it's if they get upset, it's fine. Um, but you're right, it's it's as a society, you know, we do tend to try and 
um, will not necessarily follow that. So um, it, we just think it's important that, you know, we do encourage them so that, they, again, they're not bottling it up. And then, you know, when they turn you know, 10, yeah. 12, 15, 16, whatever it is, they, they've got to deal with all these emotions that they've never dealt with because they've bottled them up for years. That's just not going to be healthy for them. As, as well as a male sort of thing, do you, do you also think we're we're fighting an, an even harder battle because we're in England? You know, is it an English thing that we don't talk about death? You know, like if this was Mexico, yeah. you know, we'd we'd be getting out photos and celebrating people like you know around Dia de los Muertes and things like that. Um, do, you, do you think it's an English thing or just a male thing or, um, or just a societal thing? I, I, I... I think there's a definitely a cultural aspect to it we um you know i i, I don't i don't i don't know if it's uh, if it's an england thing or just a you know sort of typical i don't, I don't know I, I don't know is the answer i think we yeah. we we certainly don't deal with things the same way as other countries other cultures do um i think it certainly is a man thing definitely um because we, you know, as we've talked about, we don't share our emotions well, and, and, and we, we're almost uncomfortable talking about them. Um, and I think that there, there definitely needs to be a change in that. There definitely needs to be more support offered um, to give give the forum to talk. Because mm. some men may want the opportunity at a time, but they may, you know, sometimes almost sitting in front of somebody and being forced to talk isn't necessarily the right you know, it isn't going to get the, the, the best out of mm-hmm. that either. I think just having the forum to be able to talk is important. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, yeah, it could, it could quite possibly be a, you know, a British English sort of cultural thing as well. Um, mm. Yeah. Maybe. Very but, st- stiff upper lip, mm, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, just get on with it. Look lively, chipper. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, I said English thing. You're 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 based in Wales, aren't you? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you you have, like you've mentioned before, you know your way to cope. You've done you've done something really positive. Um, can you tell us a bit about the um, Unbeatable Eva Foundation and um, how people can get involved and how people can help out? Yeah, I mean, lot, lots of families that obviously we'd never heard of DIPG and then suddenly you're thrust into this world where you engage with other families and, and you find that lots of families sort of in memory of the children have done things. We, what prompted the foundation really was that when Eva was um, diagnosed during sort of the time that she was unwell, she got loads of gifts sent through to her and some fantastic um, things sort of bought for her by different charities, small charities all over the UK. Um, and she wanted to do something similar. She wanted to give back to the people that had sort of helped her and to children in that same position. So that it was always something that we had intentions to do um, in some way, shape or form. And we decided that setting up as a foundation and, and, and doing the gift boxes that I mentioned, you know, would be really great. Um, but obviously the bigger goal for all of these things is to, to ultimately, you know, make it so that when children or families are told your child's got DIPG and, that, that doesn't necessarily mean a death sentence for them. Um, and, that, and that's ultimately where we'd like to, to get to. The, the big challenge that we have is that, you know, we're a small charity and, you know, unless you're familiar with the conditions, unless you're familiar with the charity itself or Eva's story, then, you know, it, it's a process of raising awareness. Um, 
you know, the big charities tend to, um, you know, attract most, um, you know, donations and, um, you know, I'm, I'm pick one out, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not having a go because, can, you know, Cancer Research UK is a, a prime example, you know, they're a fantastic cancer charity. They do lots of, they spend lots of money on, on um, cancer research, but of their budget, it, uh, such a small percentage goes towards um, brain cancer. And then if you break that down further by condition and then look at pediatric brain cancer, the funding research is almost non-existent. So um, I think their last um, released accounts, it was they'd spent nearly £500 million on cancer research and, and less than £7 million, I think it was, is on um, brain brain cancer research. Um, and that's almost, almost entirely focused on adult cancer because the idea with cancer research is that if you treat the adults and you have success, then you can filter that down to children. The problem with DIPG is it affects primarily children. So actually the research just isn't happening. Um, not here anyway, not not in the UK. So, you know, we we desperately want to, to try and, um, you know, fund research and fund treatment options for children here. Um, and, um, and I guess how, how people can get involved is, um, you know, if you're thinking of, you know, doing some small fundraiser, you know, every penny that we raise helps. Um, so if you're thinking of a fundraising, you know, just consider the, the foundation as, as one that you might fundraise for. Um, and, you know, we hope that, um, you know, eventually we'll raise enough awareness that people will start to do that. And, um, you know, we can, we can grow the charity and, and um, contribute to, you know, make, making a difference for the, these children. Um, so, yeah, just sort of encourage people to, to have a look at us, have a look at the, the condition and understand it. And I think, you know, the story, it's, you know, the story sort of sells itself, if you like. It's, um, you know, you never want your child to be in this position. You never want to be in this position as a family. So, you know, if you can contribute in some way, then it's, um, you know, it makes a difference. Is, is DIPG a purely um, like a, a PD? pediatric a children's um condition or, or can it affect anyone at any age it, it can affect um adults um the vast majority of cases are children um by some significance um it can affect adults but it's um it's it's mainly uh children under the age of 12 um so the average age is seven um, that's that's internationally so worldwide the average age is seven um so that you know that kind of tells you that you know that <sighs> what it does yeah wow honestly i am um, oh i'm speechless man paul i thank you for sharing you know your story and coming on the podcast and genuinely i think you're so so brave and what you're doing is amazing and I just hope through, you know, your loss and your tragedy that, you know, people can find help and especially men will be able to find more support, you know, out there. We need to look at this properly, don't we? We really do need to have a look at it. We do need to look at what, what support there is out there. Yeah, we really do. Because um, I'm sure there is somewhere, but... Uh, the fact that you and I, uh, Tommy, don't know about it, and we we we're supposedly, you know, got our ear to the ground a lot of these things, and mm. Paul doesn't know about it. 
who's, uh, you know, and looks like you didn't get much help when you needed it. I think this is something we should um, try and really look into. Well, that'll definitely be my homework, I think. And we'll definitely try and signpost a few, uh, you know, if there's charities and stuff out there. We'll get it signposted on our website or on our social media pages, for sure. And Paul, yeah, I, I, you know, um, like like your little boy said, you know, I, I, I do hope you have a good Christmas and I hope, you know, you have, um, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's what Eva would have wanted. And, and I know it's, it's a really tough time. It's going to be, a, you know, it's a tough time for a lot of people. I know it's going to be, tough for you but um you know i, I really hope you um yeah that, that things get easier for you as as time goes on and um keep what doing what you're doing because it's um it's a it's a really good thing and I'm, I'm, I'm we we really really do appreciate you coming to speak to us thank you guys no i you know i appreciate the forum to be able to talk about it so um yeah thank you for having me on and yeah hopefully um as i say it, if it helps one person or it gives someone somewhere the understanding that they can talk about these things if they if they've got a friend who's lost somebody you know encourage them to, to go and talk to that friend you know then you know, it's so important so yeah as i say thank, thanks for having me on guys really appreciate it oh it's a pleasure such a pleasure okay that's been uh man up everyone and uh we'll speak to you next time okay bye-bye bye